Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, when I have been speaking to you over the last few weeks from this letter, I've been trying to encourage you and I to think about living beneath the surface. The reality is, is for a lot of us as Christians, Christianity is only one hour on Sunday morning, maybe two if you come to Sunday school, a few moments each day, especially if you're praying or if you need an urgent request from God. But then the rest of our lives, we live our lives just like everybody else. And that's called living on the surface. We don't really have any expectation of God, although when we are in a desperate situation, we want God to do something for us. But other than that, we just want to live our lives normally. And the thought of God working in our lives and doing something in our lives is the furthest thing from our mind because we don't really have any comprehension of that. But the reality is, is that God called you and I to something different. He called us to a deeper walk with Him. He called us to a deeper relationship with Him. Something more than just Sunday morning. Something that affects every area of your life. In fact, I'm going to tell you something here that maybe will scare some of you. And that is, is that God wants you to be different. Now, why would I say that that's going to scare you? Well, because we don't like to be different. We like to blend in. We don't want to be seen as being different from everyone else. Because that's weird. And we don't want to be weird. In fact, that's why we like living on the surface in our Christianity. Because if I can just keep church as one part of my life and live my life like everybody else, nobody really cares. But to be different is to draw attention to oneself. And these days, especially if you're a Christian, drawing attention to yourself is not necessarily a good thing. But the reality is, is if we're going to live beneath the surface, if we're going to see God working in our lives on a daily basis, he's going to call you and I to be different. Now, as soon as I say that, I know what's going through people's minds. Okay, so George, you want me to act super spiritual. Okay, George, you want me to carry around my Bible. Okay, George, you want me to start talking the Holy Joe lingo. You know what the Holy Joe lingo is, right? That's talking like a super spiritual Christian at work, where you scare everybody because you're scared by the Holy Joe lingo. And the reality is, is that's not what he's talking about here. In fact, he's going to tell us two little things that we need to do, now they're going to be big things when I explain them to you, two little things that you can do that will mark your life as different from everybody else. That's all he's going to tell you. Two little things in order for you to be different that will have an impact. So what we're going to talk about today is the call to be different. So I want you to notice with me, look with me at verse 14 through 18. Let's look at these five verses together. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, 
children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to take these five verses and we're going to look at three different things. We're going to see, first of all, the call. We're going to be, we're going to see what he's calling us to be different about. That's in just one verse, verse 14. Then we're going to see why we need to do that. Why do we need to do these two things that he's telling us to do? We're going to see the purpose of that in verses 15 and 16. And then we're going to see the investment. Somebody invested in you. And you need to be serious about that. We're going to see that in verses 16 through 18. So let's look at the call. Just one verse, pretty powerful verse. We're going to spend some time here because I think this is what we need to hear, especially in our culture today. Look at what it says, verse 14. Do all things without complaining and disputing or arguing. Stop for a moment. I want you to think for your last week. Does this verse describe your last week? If I were to say to you, hey, so-and-so, how's your last week been? Have you done all things this week without complaining? Stop for a moment. Haven't we all complained this week? Yep. I mean, we probably complained today. Complaining or arguing. Have you gone all week without arguing? And we argue about the silliest things. In fact, we've gotten to the point now where it's acceptable to argue with who? Anybody and everybody. So I want you to see what he's calling us to do here. He's calling us to do two things. We're going to take some time and look at them. Because if we can do these two things, let's be honest, we're going to be different, aren't we? I mean, he's not calling you to carry around a big Bible. That's actually easier, isn't it? It's actually easier. Look at what he says here. First thing, number one, we are to do everything without complaining. You and I, as a believer in Jesus Christ, if we're going to live beneath the surface, if we're going to get beyond just surface Christianity, if we're really going to walk with Jesus the way he wants us to walk with him, we've got to start with by basically going about our lives without complaining. Try that for an hour. Notice I didn't say a day or a week. I said just try that for an hour. God's calling us to be different. He's calling us to be a different type of person. He's calling us not to complain. Why? Because of all people, Christians should understand. What? Somebody's got to let them know when they're doing wrong. I understand that. But of all people, you realize who is the one who's in control. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you realize he is the one who allows the things to happen to you. Did you understand what I'm saying? He's the one who allows the things to happen to you, to test you, to mature you. And so if you have that perspective, you're able to look at things with a better perspective than just what? Complain. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. I, I am an addict. 
I have an addiction issue. You want to know what my addiction is? Complaining. I complain a lot. I'll just be honest with you. But here's what I've noticed lately about my complaining, especially when I'm complaining to people on the phone. The person I'm talking to, they're not the one who's responsible. Half the time, it actually might be 90% of that, there's nothing they can do about it. What am I doing by complaining? Venting. And let's be honest, that's what we're doing, isn't it? We like to vent, express our anger. And, and, and the thing is, is we live in a culture that is really preying upon our what? Anger. And we don't like the way things are going, so we what? Complain. But the very first thing he tells us to do, if you want to live beneath the surface, if you want to be different, trust me, you just try this at work, you're going to be different, right? If you quit complaining, you're going to be different. He's telling us to stop. Do everything without complaining. Here's the second one. It's just as important. Do everything without arguing. Everybody's complaining, but they're also what? Arguing for their what? Rights. And the reality is, is if you decide, Jesus, I need your help to be different. I'm going to quit complaining. I'm going to quit arguing. You're going to stand out. You're going to be different, and people are going to notice it in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're going to be different. You're going to be noticed. Now, as soon as I say that, somebody's going to say, well, wait a minute, George. If I do that, they're just going to run all over me. They're just going to have their way. Yeah, if I didn't believe there was a God. If I didn't believe there was a God who was in control of my life and that nothing happens to me except that he allow it. If I didn't believe in a God who is the ultimate one who will take care of things for me, who will hold everyone into account. If I didn't believe in God, then I can say that. But the problem is, is I believe in God. I believe in a God who, who is there interacting in my life because I'm trying to live beneath the surface when you're living on the surface. You have no expectations of God. But when you're living beneath the surface, you realize that God is in control of your life and that's going to call on you to do something. That's going to call on you to, number one, quit complaining and quit arguing. Now, naturally, the question should be from you, okay, wonderful, George, what's that going to accomplish? What's the big deal about that? Why do I need to do that? Well, that's where verse 15 and 16 come along. He's going to give us four reasons why. Four reasons why. The purpose of you and I living this way. The purpose of you and I quit complaining and quit arguing. He's going to give us four reasons. Let's look at them together. Look with me, verse 15. That you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. Here's the four. First one. So that we are above reproach and not corrupted. Now, some of your Bibles will say blameless. I need to explain that to you a little bit because if some of you, when you read that, you're going to say, oh, there is no way I can be blameless, George. You should, I mean, I've already broken that one. Forget it. Might as well just go ahead and complain and argue. Well, if you looked at the word blameless and you were thinking of Jesus, yeah, you're right. But I'm going to be honest with you. The word that's used here for blameless is a different word than the word that's used for 
Jesus. When we talk about Jesus being blameless, we're talking about blameless in the sense of being without sin. That's not the word that he uses for you and I. When he says that we need to quit complaining and quit arguing so that we're blameless, he's not talking about us so that we're without sin because he knows that we're going to sin. But rather what he says there is that he talks about you and I being blameless in the sense that we are above reproach. Now what does that mean? Well, it means that you don't have a standing accusation against you. No one can look at you and say, he's a schmuck, he's a fake, he's not real. They're looking at you in your life and saying, wow, what a guy, what a gal. They're not looking at you as blameless in the sense of Jesus, but they're looking at you as being above reproach. See, here's the thing. When you live differently, when you quit your arguing, and when you quit your complaining, Paul's saying you will be above reproach. Not just that, he says you won't be corrupted. What do you mean corrupted? Well, I've already said to you, this whole issue of complaining and arguing, where does that come from? It's our culture. I mean, it's okay to argue and so forth in our culture, isn't it? In fact, we expect that. In fact, we have people that are looking for a fight, right? If I don't get in a fight with somebody today, I'm not doing well. Somebody wanting to argue all the time. What are you arguing about? I don't know, but it feels good. That's the attitude that's out there. And, and here's the thing. Paul doesn't want you to be corrupted by the culture that we live in. He wants you to be different than the culture. So he wants you to what? Stop complaining and stop arguing so that you're above reproach and not corrupted. That's the first one. That's the first thing he's saying is the purpose why we're to do that. Here's the second one. So that we stand out in the midst of a dying culture. Look with me at verse 15. Children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. He wants you to stand out. He wants your life to be different than everybody else's life at work or at school. He wants you to be different. Now, as soon as I say that, people don't like that. Nobody wants to be different. Nobody wants to be the sore thumb. Nobody wants to be swimming against the flow. We want to do what everybody else does. We want everybody to like us. Can I tell you right now, not everybody's going to like you. If you're living in that fantasy world, you need to get out of it quickly you will have to come to the conclusion that not everybody's going to like you. In fact, people who like you today will not like you tomorrow. Now, they'll like you on Tuesday. It's just that on Monday they don't like you. There are some people that don't like anybody on Monday, right? Here's the thing I want you to see. We're to stand out. We're, we're, to, we're to not do these things. We're to quit complaining and arguing, not just so that we are blameless, that is, above reproach and not corrupted, it's so that we stand out in a dying culture. Jesus wants people to look at you and say, hey, how can you handle this differently? Why are you different? Why aren't you complaining? Why aren't you arguing? Why are you handling this situation different than others? That's the second one. Here's the third one. Look with me again. Verse 15. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. So that we shine as lights in the world. That's the second thing. So that you're a light, a beacon. 
In fact, isn't that what Jesus said in the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount? Is that you are a light in this world, a beacon to the city. You don't hide a light in a basket. It shines out the truth. The reality is, is that the purpose for you and I to be this way is so that we are different, so that people see who in our life? Jesus. Because when somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I don't understand why you're not complaining. I don't understand why you're not argumentative. You can say to them, it's because of Jesus. It's because he calls me to something different. In fact, it's not that he calls me to it. The reason why I'm not complaining and the reason why I'm not arguing is because he helps me not to complain and argue. It's Jesus who's doing it in my life so that I quit acting this way. Do you understand? So that as we shine out as lights in the world. Now there's a fourth reason. It's at the very beginning of verse 16. Let me explain it to you here. Look with me and look at what he says. Holding fast the word of life. Now, when we read that, especially if you're reading in a New King James or King James Bible, it, it seems like it's saying that I hold on to the word of life. Is that what you read there? It's what I'm reading there. However, some of the other translations give it a little bit better. It's holding forth the word of life. Here's what I want you to see. Here's the fourth purpose of why I'm to be like this, why I'm to live beneath the surface, why I'm to go without complaining about everything, why I'm to go without arguing about everything. It's that so that we offer the word of life to others. That's what it's talking about, holding forth the word of life. Who am I holding forth the word of life to? To other people who need it. Now let's just stop for a moment. If your life is marked by, number one, complaining, oh, there goes so-and-so, they complain about everything. If they're marked by, two, arguing, he's always arguing, he's always right, it's his point, blah, blah, blah. Let me ask you a question. How far are you going to go in holding forth the word of life to other people? How far are you going to go talking to them about Jesus? I'm going to tell you right now, not very far. Do you know what I'm saying? Not very far. In fact, I'm having to adopt it. I'm not doing well at this, but I'm having to adopt this. I'll get right practical. This is George and the way that he is right now. I'm having to learn that when I'm out interacting in our community, and especially in businesses and dealing with people or in government, especially government offices, that when I talk to people, the best thing for me to do, because I have an alt, a bigger motive, is that I want everybody to come to know Jesus, I need to, number one, quit what? Complaining. And number two, quit being so stinking argumentative. Because a lot of times we think that it's my right and I'm blah, 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 and, 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 and but you ever notice that half the times it still doesn't work out in our favor? if not most of the time, and all we've done is what? Alienate people. And so I'm learning, suck it up, big boy. God is the one who's in control because there's something more important. And the fact is, is that person that you're arguing with, that person that you're complaining to, needs Jesus just as much as you needed Jesus. So think about it. Four reasons right there why I'm just supposed to do those two little things. Number one, so that I'm above reproach and not corrupted by this world. Number two, that I stand out from this world. And believe me, when you don't argue and complain, 
You're going to stand out. So I stand out from this world. Number three, that I'm a light. People can see Jesus in my life. But number four, so that I can hold forth the word of truth. So that I can hold forth that truth to somebody else. So Paul then gets to the reason why he's stressing this. Like, okay, what's the big deal, Paul? Why, why, why are you stressing this? Well, can I tell you it's one word. He's stressing this because this is what's the difference between living on the surface and living beneath the surface. Living on the surface, life is boring. Christianity is boring. God's not doing anything. Take it or leave it. If I find something else to do, I can do it. But if you're living beneath the surface, you realize that there's something more for your life, more in that relationship with Jesus. And I'm going to tell you what that one word is, and this is what it is. It's joy. The reason why I do it is so that I have what? Joy. Well, stop for a moment. Think about that. When you're complaining and arguing, what's the last thing you're feeling? Joy. Oh, wow, I'm enjoying arguing with you. Uh, There might be some people like that, but I don't think they're saved. I'm enjoying arguing. Joy. But I want you to notice something, verses 16 through 18, he's going to talk about who the joy is for. And that's why I entitled this section, Investment. See, if I'm striving to live beneath the surface, if I'm living the life that he's called me to, and I just focus on these two areas for these four reasons, I'm going to bring joy to people's lives. And here's the first one. Look with me. Verse 16, he says this, So that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, I'm being poured out as a drink offering on a sacrifice of service of your faith. I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Here's what he's saying. Here's the investment. We bring joy to those who invested in us. And when I'm talking about investing in you, I'm talking about those who invested in you spiritually. I know that's true. When you share with me the victories God's giving you, when you share with me the answers to prayer that he's answering in your life, when you share with me the things that he's showing and doing through you, I'm going to tell you right now, I get greater satisfaction in that than how many people show up on Sunday. I'm just going to be honest with you. I get greater satisfaction in watching people grow in their relationship with Jesus than the number of people who show up. Just being honest with you, that brings me joy because that is a return on what? My investment. I'm investing in you. This time right now is an investment in you. Making sure you have a Bible that you can read or that you can understand, that's an investment in you. Meeting with you for coffee to encourage you, that's an investment in you. Think about it for a moment. You think about people that you have invested in their lives for their spiritual condition. Think back for a moment. When you saw a spiritual highlight in their life, you didn't just go, oh, that's boring. No, you said, wow, isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? If you're a Christian parent, 
and you've sat there and watched your child professing Jesus Christ by being baptized, you felt joy, didn't you? Didn't you? When you saw them see God do wonderful things in their life, you felt what? Joy. When your friend that you encouraged to come to church comes to church and then you see them baptized or you see them make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, you feel what? Anger? Complaining? I can't believe they're doing that or humiliating me. No, they're not. They're bringing joy to your life because of the investment. We bring joy to those who invested in us. But Paul says something else. The reason why you need to do this, listen to me. I think this blows my mind. The reason why I need to do these things and and live beneath the surface is because of an investment I'm making in myself. What do you mean? Look at what he says, verse 18. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. What's he saying here? Living for Christ should be a source of joy for us. Living for Christ should be a source of joy for us. Listen, for, listen, folks, I'm going to tell you right now. If you look at your Christian life and you say, oh, man, joy is not the word that describes my Christian life. It's boring or it's depressing or I'm tired. It's, it's not real. I'm going to tell you right now, the reason why it is not any of those things, the reason why it's, it's not joy, it's the reason why it's marked by those things is because you've decided to live on the surface and you've decided not to get beneath the surface and do what the psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I, we could all go to Denny's right now for a burger and they could bring it out on the table and there it'll be. It'll be, I, I, I've already got mine's a creation. I already know what it is. And it could be there, all the several slices of cheeses, and of course, got to have pepper jack on it, and bacon, and there it is, and, and that beautiful bun, and looking at it isn't going to tell me much, is it? I got to what? Take the big bite and see that it's good, right? See, here's the thing. You got to get beneath the surface and take the big bite and see that God is good. And see, the reason why you want to do that is because you want joy in your life. True joy. Do you understand? I'm talking true joy. I'm not talking about fleeting happiness. I'm talking about a joy that satisfies your soul. And when you begin to see him working in your life, because you're being different, there's joy. I can guarantee you that if you're here and you're miserable, it's because you haven't found him and true joy. No matter what you try to do to fill it with all the other stuff, it isn't going to bring you the true joy. The only thing that will bring you true joy is who? Jesus and living beneath the surface with him. Do you understand me? And it's right there. You've got to decide to do it. I can't do it for you. Living for Christ 
should be a source of joy for us. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.